Sometimes they aren't so imaginary. This world is a strange one. Some of us aren't so lucky to have friends when we're young. Maybe you're too shy. Maybe you just don't have any siblings your age. Well, when that happens, it's not uncommon for a child to think up their own friends, imaginary friends. But what happens when these imaginary friends weren't just thought up? Well, let's see as we take a look at five extremely creepy times when imaginary friends were real. But first, have you ever stumbled upon a creepy diary entry? Have you ever encountered something or someone scary at Target? I want to hear your story. Send it to me today at darknessprevails.org. Thanks. Now, take off those thinking caps. It's like Foster's home up in this place. Number one, the little girl who wasn't there. Submitted by Natalia P. Have you ever experienced something that was impossible or shouldn't have happened? Well, something along those lines happened to me when I was a child. Back then, my parents' house was divided into two floors, although they're actually completely separate houses. The lower house was big and had a garage and a front and back lawn. On the side of the house, there is an outer stairway that leads to the upper half, which is the smaller house which can actually be considered like a flat or a small apartment. This apartment had a small balcony where I used to play when I was young. This sort of housing was very common in my country and most of the time people buy the houses separately, meaning that the lower house and the upper house would be owned by completely different people. However, my parents bought both the lower and upper house for a very long time my parents would put the upper apartment on rent to make some extra income. People would not usually stay for long since most just rented it for a while. While they're there, they would just search for another house that they could own. And every time someone did move out, my parents would just go upstairs to clean and paint the apartment, getting it ready for the next people that would move in. I think I was six at the time and I remember it very well partly because of how odd the happening was, and partly because my mom would always retell the story at family gatherings. A family had recently moved out of our upper apartment, and my parents, like always, got quickly busy cleaning and rearranging the small apartment. Meanwhile, I was sitting in the small balcony at the upper house, playing with the tea set, when out of nowhere, some little girl around my age appeared she asked me if she could play too. Of course, I said yes, and we both began to play with the little teacups and Barbie dolls. I mean, I watched her move the tea set and dolls around herself. As far as I can remember, the little girl looked and behaved like a normal child my age, and there was nothing strange about her. I remember her being very pretty, and her hair was long, straight, and black. Her skin had a copper tone color, and her eyes were almond-shaped and dark. She was wearing a pink skirt and a shirt with a dog on it. It reminded me of an indigenous Peruvian child. We played for a while before she said goodbye and finally left. 
Afterwards, I told my mother, and she just smiled and said it sounded like fun. Apparently, this would happen off and on for the next few months. It took us a while to get another renter for that apartment, but until then, my parents would find me up there, playing with my tea set and talking to someone across my little table, someone who apparently wasn't there. They thought it was cute, all in good fun, seeing their child talking to an imaginary friend. But later on as I grew up, I realized myself that there was no way I could have played with a little girl in that balcony. That's because for miles around, we were the only family who had little girls. In our entire neighborhood, there were no other girls my age. Even my cousins are only boys, and mom never allows me to bring friends from school. So basically, that little girl couldn't have been there. It wasn't until later that my mom and dad told me that they saw me talking to nothing up in the balcony, confirming to me that what I saw wasn't real. Or maybe it was too real, I can't be sure. I've talked to my mom about it, and she said it was probably just my imagination, seeing that there were no other girls my age to play with. She thinks I must have concocted a friend, someone I could have similarities with. But here's the catch. I remember having plenty of imaginary friends that age, and every one of them I knew was imaginary. I mean, I was the one making it up, but this girl was different. I clearly remember the little girl. She was tangible and normal in every way. Even her clothes were normal. I could have reached out and touched her, and I know she reached out and touched my toys. I watched her move them. Well, while I have forgotten my imaginary friends, I can still remember this girl in every small detail. I never saw her again, but thinking about the experience to this day brings a chill to my spine. Number two, seeing the paranormal. Submitted by Queen Fear. I'm 19 years old, and this experience has been going on since I was younger. As far back as when I was four, you see, I would see this little girl, and she would be with me all the time. So, of course, I would talk to her, and we would have full conversations. We would play with toys together, play random games. She was like my childhood best friend. What I found weird though, was that my mom would always ask me who I was talking to nearly every time I was playing with the girl. I thought that was weird, thinking my mom was trying to make a joke, a joke that I didn't get. So I would reply, I'm playing with my friend, mommy. She would tell me, oh, then she'd give me a weird look and say, have fun, you two. Well, on one occasion, my mom asked me the question again, and I said, Mommy, it's my friend. She's right there. This time, with a worried look on her face, my mother replied something else. She said to me in a stern voice, Honey, there's no one there. And then I threw a tantrum. I began screaming my head off, yelling at her, saying yes, she was. She was right there before you, right next to you, in fact. It just made me so angry that my mom pretended that my friend didn't exist. Right in the middle of my yelling that day, 
some of my electronic toys began to go off by themselves. I remember laughing and pointing at the toy, saying, see mom, she's right there. But then she did the weirdest thing. She ran over to me with this big frown on her face. She seemed to be freaking out. She grabbed me and carried me out of the house. All the while, I told her that she was okay, she was just my friend, that the little girl in my room wasn't going to hurt us. My mom took me to my grandparents' house and we stayed the night there. At that age, I didn't understand. The next day, we went back and things didn't change, except for the fact that I had to lie to my mom every time I was playing with my friend. I soon gave the little girl the name Lulu. I would often ask Lulu if she was hungry, because for as long as I can remember, I never saw her eat or drink anything, but she would say no, and this would always be strange to me. I figured she must have been so unhealthy. As I grew up, I didn't stop seeing her, and a couple of years later after it started, things got bad. I was about to start first grade, and she began to get more and more angry every day that I had to go to school. Soon, when I came home, I would find things broken in the house, things I would get in trouble for. Eventually, I got so irritated that I told my mom that it wasn't me, that it was Lulu, and she knew right away what I was talking about. This only made her more mad. Several months down the road, we finally moved away from that house, and I was pretty sad. A few years went by without me ever seeing Lulu. Then one day, my mom brought her up, asking me if I remember that imaginary friend I used to have. You know, she said, the one you called Lulu. Now, I was a little bit more mature, and I didn't get mad this time. Instead, I looked at her with a confused expression and I replied, Mom, she wasn't imaginary. And I think she's believed me all this time. What I mean is, my mom had her own experiences with Lulu. When she was home alone, she would see silhouettes in the house of a little girl. At one point, she thought I even skipped school or had snuck back home. And all too often, she would find things she just left on the counter in completely different spots in the house. Needless to say, I don't think Lulu liked my mom. The reason I tell this story now is because I need to know how to get rid of her. It's getting to the point where I have to explain to my fiance why he wakes up in the middle of the day to my voice when I'm gone, why he hears me calling his name when I'm not home. I mean, just last night, he felt someone touching him and he thought it was me, but I was downstairs making us dinner. The next thing I know, he's behind me, scared stiff. He was watching the stairway and said that he just saw the door close on its own. And just before he left the room, he said he swore he saw me standing there just next to the bed. I think it's high time that I got rid of Lulu. Number three, Imaginary Friends, submitted by Leslie F. This took place several years ago. I was living in Germany. I had flown home with my children to visit family, while my husband at the time was deployed in the military. 
I should begin by saying I grew up in a haunted house, and it seems no matter where I go, some sort of spirit is always there. So I guess it shouldn't have been a surprise to me to learn that my children, particularly my daughters, had some very strange imaginary friends. We had just gotten home from our flight, exhausted from the time difference, so we slept most of that day. I tried to entertain my youngest daughter, trying to wear her out to adjust to the almost seven hour time difference. So I dragged myself out of bed and I took her to the park nearby, along with my two older kids to burn some energy. My youngest, Sarah, began to talk to herself while we were there, or so I thought she was at the time. She was actually talking to an imaginary playmate she called Minna. At least, that's what I think it sounded like coming from a three-year-old. For the next several days, she played and laughed with this friend, playing hide-and-seek and with baby dolls. At this point, I hadn't felt or experienced anything strange in our new house, so I really did think she was being an imaginative child. All was well for the first three days or so, but then Minna introduced Sarah to another friend named Jacob, and that's when things began to change. Her play went from dolls and hide and seek to cutting up people's clothes with scissors, then drawing on the walls by carving it with a knife. This got me very upset. One day I heard her talking upstairs, telling, no, Jacob, mommy will be mad if I do that. So I called her name and asked her what I would be mad about. She said that Jacob had told her to push her brother and sister down the stairs. I was wide-eyed and horrified, instantly angry and disturbed. I told her you're not allowed to play with Jacob and Minna anymore. She looked scared and said, Mommy, they're going to be so mad, they'll hurt you if I stop playing with them. But I grabbed her and held her close, telling her Mommy will be fine. I won't let them hurt me. That night was a rough one. Both of my older children were being tormented with nightmares nonstop. They kept waking up in the middle of the night and coming to sleep with me in my bed. At one point, my oldest daughter said she heard a woman screaming in her room. The next day, jet lagged and a little irritated, I headed to our town hall to dig up a little history on my property. I knew very little about the place. As I flipped through pages about the property, I soon learned that in 1850, a man named Jacob Watson had sold the land. But before that, he was married to a woman named Elizabeth who bore him one daughter named Catherine. Tragically, his wife Elizabeth passed away and he soon married her sister, Minnie. I couldn't believe what I was reading. Jacob and Minnie, could my daughter be mispronouncing Minnie as Minna? It was too big of a coincidence. Not to mention I found it suspicious that he married his wife's sister after she passed. Now armed with this information, I went back to my house. I arranged for my children to stay at their other grandparents that lived only a half hour away. I talked with one of my spiritual friends and planned to do a house blessing the next morning. I think they knew something was up and that night, the spirits intended to let me know that they were not pleased. That night, 
I went to bed with plans in my head about clearing the house the following day, but around two or three in the morning, I woke up freezing with my blanket now on the other side of the room. I retrieved it, but I couldn't get warm no matter what I did. What was even weirder was that it was in the middle of the summer. Every time I would doze off, I felt like someone was pulling off my blanket, and at one point, someone tugged at my foot, yanking it off the bed. I was determined not to let this get to me, and I moved to the middle of the bed, finally getting comfortable. I had just fallen asleep when it felt like someone laid down right beside me. I opened my eyes slowly, chills all over my body, but when I looked next to me, no one was there. I felt like I was going mad. As I lay there, I couldn't shake the feeling like someone was lying there with me, and then I started to smell something. It was like someone's bad breath. I didn't know what was going on, I could both feel and smell someone lying next to me, breathing on my skin with the most foul breath. I sat up and turned on my lamp. I got out of bed and declared, this is my house, my room, and you're not welcome here. I stayed up the rest of the night with the lights on, but luckily nothing else happened. The next day, we performed the blessing with no problems. And thankfully for all of my family, Sarah no longer spoke of Jacob or Minna. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. Do you believe in monsters? And given the chance, would you be brave enough to track one down on your own? In June's Journey, people are the true monsters, and you can live the story yourself rather than sitting back and listening to one. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor or chat and play with or against other players too in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play. With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Convert your current recessed lighting with energy-saving LED downlights from Fight Electric. They're bright and install easily in just minutes. They also go from regular lighting to nightlight mode with just a simple flip of a switch. Save big on all Fight lighting products now at Menards. Shop our lighting options today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at Number four, my imaginary friend, submitted by Wiataku. I'm 18 years old, and this story took place when I was around eight, 
so sometime in 2007 or 2008. I can't say I 100% believe in the paranormal, but I also know I cannot logically explain what happened. Around the time this story took place, my now passed away father was going to Alcoholics Anonymous and NA, Narcotics Anonymous. My mother and I would often accompany him to support him. I wanted to support him too, but I was mainly there because babysitting was expensive and hard to find. I do have an older brother who's 10 years my senior that I lived with at the time, but my father went to meetings during the weekends and on the weekends he would be at his friend's house. So I always had to go along with my mom and dad to the meetings. Anyway, on to the story. On this night, nothing was different. I was getting ready to attend the meeting with my mother and father by packing up my Nintendo DS and grabbing some drawing supplies. Fast forward through everyone getting their jackets and hats on and we're getting in the car. We arrive at the church where the meetings are held and we park the car in the parking lot. I was the first to get out and I walked off towards the entrance. I opened the front door for my mom and dad. You see, my dad had one leg, so I usually held the door open for both of them. Eventually, my mom and dad took the elevator and trusted me to find my way down to the main area. The layout wasn't too confusing. The moment you entered the church, you'd be welcomed by a set of stairs and an elevator shaft. Taking them, you'd go down a hall. In front was a gym sort of area where the Sunday sermons took place. This is also where the meetings took place. Along the hall straight in front was the kitchen, and further down were the bathrooms. So, of course, I made my way to the gym, and I sat in the kids' corner. This was a squared-off part of the room with a paper wall dividing the squared-off corner with the rest of the room. There was a table there behind the wall and chairs around a table. I was already drawing some random doodles and non-specific things on the paper I brought. Needless to say, I wasn't paying attention to anything around me other than my paper. Suddenly, I heard someone clear as day say to me, hey there. I was so surprised that I jumped in my seat and looked around to see a boy. He was blonde and had blue eyes and a nondescript face. He was wearing a striped polo shirt and jeans. So as any kid would, I assumed this was just another child looking for a new friend. Uh, hi, I greeted back. What's your name? I asked him. He sat down and happily replied, Michael. Then he smiled. We talked about uninteresting stuff mostly, like what video games we liked, what colors were our favorites, and other childish things. I finally decided to ask him, so who are your parents? He then fell silent, then instead asked me who my parents were instead. I didn't really think much of it, so I just decided to show him my mom and dad. When I walked up to introduce them, my parents looked at me weird at first, but then they put on their smiles and told me to go back to playing DS or something. Confused and a little upset, I went off to introduce Michael to other people, as he seemed not to know anybody there. But they all reacted the same way my parents did. Smile, then condescension. Some said hi to Michael, but in a baby talk sort of way. Like, why hello there Michael, it's nice to meet you. I didn't take this personally, and I just went back to the corner with Michael before the meeting started. 
We continue to talk about random childish things. Nothing important comes to mind about our conversations. He drew some stuff for me, and he told me that I was very pretty. I just laughed and said, you don't even know me, but he would smile and say, I do though, and I wouldn't know how to reply. I just changed the subject to something else. Soon the meeting had ended, and to conclude it all, the members were gathering around in a circle, holding hands and praying. I was going to join my mother and father like I always did, but I had to use the bathroom really bad. I told my friend who said, it's okay, I have to go anyway. So me and Michael said our goodbyes before I told my parents where I was going. After coming back from the washroom, I felt something was wrong. The prayer was over and my mom and dad were already getting ready to leave. I asked my mom if she had seen Michael leave. She just shook her head and continued on in silence. I felt sad that I didn't get to see him one last time before he left. I followed my parents until I climbed the stairs. Then again, I held the door for them. We all got back out to the parking lot, and when I got in the car, I looked at my dad and asked him, did you see where Michael went? He just looked towards my mom and made a face. My mom looked back to me and replied, don't ask about Michael, she demanded, before sitting back upright. I didn't know how to reply, so I just silently sat there in the car the entire way back home. When we got back, it was around 9 p.m., so I was going upstairs to get ready for bed. My mom and dad were also going upstairs to change into their pajamas. I sighed and looked down at my pictures. I miss Michael, I said to myself. My dad looked back at me and smirked, but I went on. Yeah, he was funny. My mom and dad looked at one another and my mom said to me, Look, Michael wasn't real. She tried to give this news to me as nicely as possible. I know she did, but how could someone take that kind of news? A person you spent the evening with turns out to be part of your imagination, but that couldn't be right. I was confused, upset, mostly angry, that I would assume I would just make all this up. No, he was real, and I know it. He had blonde hair and blue eyes, didn't you guys see him? They shook their heads, but I looked at my papers and held them up. See, I said, he drew these. They just shrugged at me. Maybe you thought he did, but you drew them in your own imagination. My mom softly answered. I didn't say anything else and just went about my nightly routine. And that's all I can remember. I've never experienced anything like it again. I never had imaginary friends as a kid, and at that point, I was too old to have them, right? I remember him so well, like it really happened. I know he wasn't imaginary, but if he wasn't, what was he? He really drew those things on those papers. He was really there with me. I heard him talk plain as day. I could have reached out and touched him like any of my friends. So, will I ever see Michael again? And number five, The Little Girls, submitted by Hannah. This happened about two years ago in July. My mom was having a 4th of July party and it was getting late, so she sent us to bed. 
She had kissed us all goodnight, my brother and my sister. Let's call them John and Sarah. At the time, Sarah and I shared a room while my brother had his own. I tend to stay awake longer during the night than they do. I was watching a movie on my phone when all of a sudden it began to glitch up. At first, I thought it was the Wi-Fi or the connection or something, so I ignored it and turned my phone off. I closed my eyes and tried to sleep. The moment I closed my eyes, I felt someone sit on my bed. When I set up to see who was there, I first saw my sister Sarah next to me. She was already looking at me and asking, Hannah, do you see that? At first, I thought she was messing with me because we all like to play pranks on each other. So I played it off as a joke and said, yep, sure do. But I saw her face. She was pale and looked like she was about to cry. So I looked into the corner of the room and there it was. There was some little girl just standing there. She had her hand out trying to reach out, trying to say something before she finally just disappeared. I looked at my sister, confused, and she looked at me. Without saying anything, we both ran downstairs. We were both out of breath, trying to tell what had just happened. By this time, everyone went home. My mom was getting ready to go to bed herself, but when we ran into her, she saw the looks on our faces and she asked us, are you okay? What happened? So we did and she looked around and there was nothing in our room, nothing out of the ordinary. It was about a week later when it all started again. We hadn't told my brother John anything about this experience. We didn't want to scare him too, making it harder for him to sleep. But what he eventually told us would haunt us for the rest of our lives. He said that one night, he saw a little girl in our closet. She told him that she wanted to play, and of course, him being six years old, we thought it was just his imaginary friend and thought nothing more of it. We were curious, so we asked him what her name was. He replied with, Autumn. He then goes on to say, she's not here to hurt us. She just wants Sarah. This really creeped me out. So we changed subjects by saying it was bedtime. Then we tucked him in for bed. As we all crawl into our beds, I look over to him. He's now sitting up and he's smiling, looking at something towards the closet. I say goodnight to Sarah, making sure she was going to bed as well. It was around 1.30 in the morning when I felt someone standing there in front of me. So I opened my eyes and there was nothing there. But when I looked over at Sarah, she was sitting straight up, looking in the corner next to her bed. What happens next, I'll never forget. She began to scream at the top of her lungs. Her blood-curdling scream was horrible. It happened for about two minutes. Then everything stopped and it was quiet again. Instead of talking and telling us what she saw, she simply laid back down and closed her eyes like nothing had happened at all. Needless to say, I couldn't sleep that night. In the morning, I tried to act normal, but how do you act normal after that? I asked Sarah if she was okay, but when we made eye contact, she didn't look like herself anymore. She seemed lifeless and dark. Right away, my mom and brother noticed that she was acting weird too. 
Fast forward a couple of days, and my mom had made her favorite dinner, but nothing. She ate slowly and didn't talk to anybody. When my mom asked what was wrong, she still wouldn't reply. Then everything got worse. My mom asked John if his friend Autumn was okay, just to make conversation with him. Sarah looked at her and smiled though. Sarah was acting normal, like the happiest kid you'd ever see. She'd gone from depressed to happy in less than one second. We haven't looked at her the same way since. It's been a couple of months, and we've heard a couple of things about Autumn. Things go missing around the house. I've gotten random texts from numbers I don't know, saying, I miss you, or I miss lying next to you, which is very frightening in itself. I just don't think my sister has been herself ever since. My brother still plays with Autumn, and I still get weird feelings around my sister or in that room. We had moved since then, and we all have our own rooms, but I still get chills. I still hear those voices, and I get texts from those random numbers. I just wish everything would go back to normal. Be careful what you wish for. Better yet, be careful what you imagine, because sometimes it can be more real than you ever thought. First, your imaginary friends might play with your toys. The next thing you know, they'll be clawing at the skin of your little brother while he's sleeping in his crib. Good night. Be sure to like, share, comment, and subscribe if you enjoyed the video. And don't forget to send me your creepy diary entries and scary target stories soon at darknessprevails.org. Thank you.